Do you know who you are? There are more definitions of who you are than you may know. I will tell you that there are some definitions about who you are that are wrong. Maybe some are right, some may be more right than you'd want them to be. But every one of us has the potential of learning exactly who we are in God's sight, seeing how God views us, and by faith claiming who God says we are. I was standing in a a little small memorial museum commemorating the life and works and the residence of a great Spanish writer known to all who have studied literature, Miguel de Cervantes. And I've forgotten a lot about the literature that I learned when I was majoring in English in university, but I remember a little bit about Don Quixote, which was his famous work. And as I stood at the wall looking, I saw a quotation in Spanish, which was interpreted underneath, and it said, and this is a quote from his book, Don Quixote, it said, I know who I am, and I know who I can be. I can put that in the terms of the scripture. I don't know that he meant it that way, but I can put it in the terms of the scripture. You can know who you are. More importantly, you can know who you can be. Because when you become who God wants you to be, then you have achieved a spiritual level that enables you to walk in victory and the power of God every day of your life no matter what's happening to you. For a long time, I would develop certain things that I'd say and I'd talk about for a long time. One of those things that still stays with me today is God has a better plan. One day I'll preach on that again. I've preached on it more than one time since I've been in this church. I'll preach on it again someday because it is so important for us to know that God has the very best plan, better than any other plan, for our lives. And when we fit ourselves into God's plan, not try to fit God's plan to us, but fit ourselves to God's plan, then we really come to a clear understanding of who we are in the mind and the concept and the plan of God for us. And that's where we want to be. I will tell you this, there's someone who will tell you the lie about who you are. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's a liar in everything that he says about you. Once in a while he may say something good about you to get you deceived into believing the rest of what he says. But Jesus said he's a liar. The truth is not in him. He's the father of lies. And one of the callings that Satan has put upon himself is to deny who you are in God and to convince you that you're nobody in the sight of God. But listen, my friend, when he's called the accuser of the brethren, that, that means that he stands to accuse you day and night. This is what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. This is the amplified version. The accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. 
He who accuses them and keeps them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. That's the one that God is going to cast down. In the final events of time, Satan is going to be cast down. And all the accusations that he's made against you and against your life and against your family, against your plans and goals and ideals and longings and desires, all that he's spoken against that will be declared null and void. It never meant anything from the very beginning. From the time he whispered those lies in your ear and you gave comfort to them, from the time that he began speaking lies about the, the people of God from the very beginning, from that time, everything that he has said about us will be declared false, null and void, a lie, and an, and a, an abominable lie from the very beginning. What the devil says about you is not true. What you've got to learn is to discern, discern what he's saying and what God's saying. So when the devil says about what tells you about who you are, he's never going to tell you anything good about yourself. Well, I may need to change that a little bit. There's some people he tells them because he wants to deceive them and let them believe they are. So I should amend that. But by matter of the things that he's going to say to the children of God, he's going to bring us down and try to bring us into defeat and destruction. So all the things that he torments you about over past sins, and some of you are tormented about past sins right now. You've been sitting here since this sort of started. You thought, how can I be in this body of rejoicing believers like this when I have been who I've been, when I've done what I've done, when I've lived like I've lived? How can that possibly be? I don't fit here. I don't belong here. Those are the words of the enemy who wants to destroy your life. You may have done some bad things in the past. I have. And every single one of us sitting here has. But there's not one of us sitting here who can't be forgiven for everything that we've done. And if we've come to the cross of Jesus for salvation, we have already been forgiven. And it doesn't take any more forgiveness of God to cleanse the past. He's already done it. You and I have got to accept it and believe it and walk in it and stand in it. And when we do, we stand in victory. You've got to deny the accusations that the accuser of the brethren brings against you. You've got to deny them and refute them. And say, no, devil, that's a lie, and I do not accept it. I will not walk in his definition of me. I will not walk in his description of who I am. I will not believe it. I will not accept it. Because I know that the blood of Jesus Christ changed all of that. And I will turn my eyes towards him and receive his salvation and his forgiveness. Know that I'm cleansed not by my own efforts, but by the blood of Jesus and by my faith in him. He has made me whole, cleansed me of sin, and I walk in the righteousness of God and in the victory of his power every day. And every child of God should live that way, knowing that we have the victory in Christ and denying and refuting every lie that the devil tells about us. Amen, Pastor. I think you said it right. So he'll torment you about passages. Has the devil ever told you that God doesn't really, truly love you? After all, how could he love you? Look at who you are. Look at who you've been. Look at what you've done. How could he love you? 
And I will tell you this, my friends, and I know it to be true, because the Bible states it emphatically. There's no person ever born into this world who God does not love. He has loved them from the beginning. He's loved them to the end of life. And I will tell you how we know it. He loved us so much. The scripture verse probably, probably every, how many of you sitting here, if I ask you to do it, to stand up and quote John 3.16? How many of you could do it? Most of you could. You all know that. Here it is. For God so loved the world. He loved the whole world. Every one of us. God so loved every one of us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, you and me, believes in him, would have everlasting life. That's how much he loves us. If you didn't have any other scripture, but there are many, but if you had no other scripture other than that one scripture, that Jesus, those are the words of Jesus, if you had nothing else written in the Bible and said God loves you, that would be enough to last you for eternity. He showed his love by sending his only son, his only begotten son, to the cross to die for us. And if nothing else proves our love, that proves it to the greatest level, to the highest ascent that it possibly could be. God loves you today. Right now, where you sit, who you are, in spite of what you've done, no matter what your life has been, no matter what the devil has accused you of, no matter what you've been guilty of, it doesn't matter. God loves you right where you're sitting today, right where you are now. God loves you now. And he proved it with the greatest sacrifice ever made. So you have a heritage in Christ. In Christ. It's true we're all sinners. We've all sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's, the, that's true. And the devil tells you that. No doubt about it. But he doesn't take into account what Jesus has done. And we know by his word Jesus has paid the price for our salvation. For us to become cleansed. To become cleansed and live as the children of God. Hallelujah. So Satan wants to make you think you're nothing. And then, just so I cover all the necessary ground. If we aren't very careful, God, the enemy will come to us from another approach. If he can't make us think we're nothing, he'll try to make us think we're everything. He'll make us think we're so spiritual, nobody else has got it right. Nobody else knows how to do this. Nobody else. I was up there, I could do the singing. I could do the preaching. Do it better than what I hear every Sunday. And I'll tell you something, I'm these ushers. They just let me give me a give me a chance. I'm not sure what real ushering is. I could count those offerings. I could count I get I'd count more than the other people do when they count. I bet I'd better at it. As you see. If you aren't really, really careful when you get spiritual, the devil will persuade you of just how spiritual you are. And the first thing you know, you're spirit more spiritual than anybody else. And then there's no place to go. You've already got to the top. You've already arrived. The rest of us are trying to catch up with you, doing the best we can, but we never will. And, 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 and it's very scriptural that we're warned against that. We're warned not to let that happen to us. 
That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. You know the first two verses of Romans chapter 12 very well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your true spiritual worship. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the third verse goes on to say, after we've done all that, let's be very careful. This is what it says. Paul writes, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. See ourselves as who we really are in God. And that will put us in relationship in the body of Christ so that we appreciate the ministry that every other person has in the building of the kingdom of God. Nobody can do it all. And it's the foolish person who wants to try to do it all. I'll tell you, I learned a long time ago. I not only learned I can't do it all, I learned I don't want to do it all. I will let somebody else have some authority and some standing. And we have to come to that place and recognize that we're part of the body. Because just as our bodies, I'm on reading now and into chapter 12, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. That's verse 4. If you read on down through the next three verses, on through verse 8, it will tell you that there are various gifts and ministries in the body of Christ. We need to find our place. Each one of us should find his or her place. And when we do, then we know what God wants of us. We fulfill that, and that causes the whole body to come together, fitly joined, and to build upon that foundation of truth and spiritual perception and understanding. So we recognize our proper place, our rightful place in the body of Christ. And nobody should want to be the premier, most significant one, the most honored and accepted and appreciated, admired and extolled. Leave some room for somebody else to receive some blessing from God. Somebody said a long time ago, if you want to lift yourself up, lift someone else up first. That's a good advice. I, I, I don't see it exactly in the scripture, but I think the tenor of that message is there. So what you need to know is, whether the devil's telling you no, you're nobody, or whether he's trying to tell you you're everything, you're nothing or you're everything, whatever he's trying to tell you, what he is saying is wrong, and you need to hear the voice of God and understand the calling of God. And you're not, you are not who the devil says you are. But you are who God says you are. And so when you learn to say what God says about you, and sometimes it becomes a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I, I used to stand up, and, and, and I did this for a long time after I got here, and I, and I finally said, well, Lord, I think I've convinced myself of it. I'll just let it go for a while. I used to stand up and say, Lord, I am your obedient servant, and I believe I am. And I would say, I am your trustworthy child, and I believe I am. And I would say, I am your anointed messenger. And I believe I am. But I, that's the way I would start my opening prayer before I preach for a long time. I think the whole time we wrote in the old church, I, I always open it that way. And finally, I, 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 I guess I came to the place that I thought, 
that the conviction of it was had settled in. I had to do that then because there was no confidence in leadership at that time. People coming into our church, they didn't know about the past of that church, had no confidence in leadership. They didn't have any reason to have any confidence in leadership. So I just said, God, this is who I am. And I was just stating, I was stating for myself and I was stating for everybody else in my prayer. This is who I am. I still pray that all along. I haven't said it publicly in a long time but just these moments, but I still pray that all along. I'll, oftentimes I'll go through several days that I'll go before the Lord and I'll say, Lord, I am your obedient servant. I'm talking to myself to know that, for God to help me to know that. I'm convincing in my testimony, but I'm declaring it to the Lord. I am your obedient servant. I am your trustworthy child. Why wouldn't you trust me with your kingdom, Lord? Why wouldn't you trust me with the values of your word? Why wouldn't you trust me with the revelation of your spirit that gives understanding and depth in the word of God? Why wouldn't you? Because I'm your trustworthy child, and that's who I want to be. That's who I want to stay always before the Lord, as a trustworthy child of God. And then I want to be an anointed messenger of God. To preach God's word is one thing to tell what it says and what its truth is. To preach it with the Holy Spirit directing the words and bringing it with the hearts and minds and putting it in the spirits of the people is another thing entirely. But I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in this place, moving in these days in a greater way than we've ever seen before, and what we're going to see in the future is beyond anything we have to compare the past with because it's going to be greater than anything we've seen before. That's what the anointing of the Spirit of God is going to bring about. So what we need to learn to do is to say what God says about us. Not what you say about yourself, but repeat what God says about you. I believe God says this about me, what I've just said. And that's why I say it, pray it, Believe it and claim it and stand on it. But I know there are other things that God says about all of us. Let me just give you one of the most significant verses in the Scripture. And to get the full impact of it, you have to read the context. I'm going to give you this very, very well-known verse of Scripture that substantiates what I'm telling you about saying what God says about you. This is the Word. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is from the New Living Translation. This means the things that have gone before, that he's been explaining, the context of all that. All of this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The King James says, King James says therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things, all things have become new. That's where you want to be in the Lord. Your life has changed because of the realization of Jesus Christ and his salvation within you. So you stand on that and you declare when the devil says, you can't really be saved. God's going to forgive all those things that you did. what he said it. God is the one who said it. God said that about you. He said when you came to Christ, if you haven't come yet, when you do, when you come to Christ, all things pass away. When I came to Jesus Christ, my life became a new life. It was a different life. And I'll tell you it was a different life. I got up from that place of prayer and I walked out not knowing what had happened to me. I didn't have any background of Christian experience or teaching to understand what God had done for me. 
All I knew was when I got up off my knees from that cold hardwood floor and I stood up to walk away from that old metal chair where that was my altar for salvation and I started to walk away, I knew I felt differently from any way I'd ever felt at all in my whole life. I couldn't have given you an explanation for it if it... If it, 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 no matter what you paid me for it, I could have never given you an explanation for what had happened to it. It took me a long time to realize what God had done for me and what it meant and to receive all of the teaching and understanding about it. But one thing I did know, I didn't know anything but this, but I knew I had got up. I was walking a new way. I was walking a new life. I was a different person. I felt like a totally, completely different individual after Jesus Christ transformed me in his salvation. Because that's what he does. When you come to him, all things pass away. All things become new. So we have to start saying about ourselves what God says about us. It isn't what the devil says about you. It isn't even what your neighbor says about you. I could go further than that. Because a lot of people don't say everything perfect about you. But I will tell you this. If you say what God says about you, don't repeat what somebody else said. Boy, I sure am. I'm so thrilled. He said, I'm such a nice guy. So what? What matters is not what somebody else says about you. What matters is what God says about you. And this is what God said. God says, when you come to Christ, you're new. Oh, your old life is gone. Your new life is here. And now you're walking in Christ as a new creation in Christ. Glory to God. That's the power of victory. That's the power of victory. This is the other thing, 2 Corinthians 5.11, still in the same chapter. But we are plainly known to God. He knows everything about us. If God knows everything about you and still can say that you came to him and you were given a new life when the old life was taken away, thrown away in the sea of his forgetfulness, when that happened to you, you became a new person. So we are known to God. He knows everything about us. But he's chosen to forget the past because it's covered in the blood of Jesus. So who are you really? Who are you really? If you're walking in Christ, if you're believing his word, you're claiming the promise of his word about you, he says some really good things about you. He really says some wonderful things about you. Did you know that? I'll tell you some of the things. One of the things he says about you that is so powerful, so tremendous, he says that you are more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. That's Romans chapter 8 again. Wonderful, powerful verse. You are more than a conqueror. Romans eight thirty seven, And over and over and over in those scriptures, he says these powerful things about us, where we stand in Christ and our relationship to him. Let me, just, let me just read you this particular scripture that I've chosen to go with a part of this. This is the English Standard Version, which, which surrounds what he says about being conquerors. No, in all these things, he's, he's named a number of things in previous verses. You need to get your Bible and take uh, open it up to Romans chapter 8 and read that, especially that latter part. All these things that he's been speaking about, we are more than conquerors. We're more than overcomers. We're super overcomers. Through him who loved us. I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
He says, nothing can come between us and the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, that he has put in our lives. Nothing can take, no, nothing that the enemy puts in can be a wedge between us and the power that God brought into our lives if we'll stand on his, on his word and stand in his victory and by faith trust him and believe it to be true. I'm going to read it one more time to you in another version. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. This is the scripture. Romans 8 and 10. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Nor angels, nor demons. Neither fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory to God. Who are you? Who are you? You're a child of God. Who are you? You're a king's kid. Who are you? You're more than a conqueror. Who are you? You're the one who can do all things through Christ. Who dwells in you? Who are you? You're the victor. You're not the defeated. You're the winner. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. And if we claim it, we stand on it, there's victory. There's victory. The devil's going to accuse you, and Jesus is going to come and stand against it. Everything that the devil says about your bad life and who you are and how bad you are, Jesus is going to say, that's not true. Most of it may have been true at one time, but when he came to me, when he bowed and cried out my name and asked for forgiveness, I freely gave him that forgiveness and I changed his life. And that old boy came a new boy. That old, that old guy became a new guy. That old gal became a new gal. Not the same as we used to be. But now Jesus Christ has changed us and made us who he wants us to be. And we can be that in his name and by his power. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, say what God wants you to say about everything. That's faith. But say what God wants you to say about you and your standing and your experience with God. And that's your total victory. Hallelujah. Everybody stand with me, please. Glory to God.